Hello, and welcome to the UCA Community Development Institute's podcast. I'm Dalton Thompson, a senior political science and public administration student at UCA and student intern for the Center for Community and Economic Development at UCA. And I'm Gabrielle Harvey, also a senior political science and public administration student at UCA, as well as an intern in Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin's office. Today, the Community Development Institute is proud to welcome the Natural State's 20th Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin to its humble podcast. Today, we will be discussing the role and duties of the Lieutenant Governor. While also learning about Lieutenant Governor's career and tenure as Lieutenant Governor. And how the Office of Lieutenant Governor can be a useful resource for community and economic developers across the state. Mr. Lieutenant Governor, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. To start, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? In short, can you tell us about your career and how it led to you becoming the Lieutenant Governor of Arkansas? Sure. So I... I was born in Charlotte, North Carolina. My dad's family's from North and South Carolina. And my mom's side of the family was from Arkansas and moved out to Magnolia when I was 12. And sort of my formative years, a lot of my formative years were growing up in Magnolia and I consider Magnolia home. Uh, went to Hendricks College in, in Conway. Uh, it's a Methodist school. My dad's a Baptist minister, but uh, I visited Hendricks and, and knew that it was a good school. I was real interested in going there. Um, my mom's early childhood teacher. And uh, so I always, always had a, I was surrounded by books and a love for learning and certainly loved my time uh, learning at Hendricks. Then I went to graduate school uh, at Oxford University in, in England and the UK. Then I came back and went to law school at Tulane in New Orleans. And, um, you know, my interest evolved over the years. I started out at Hendricks thinking I was gonna be all about business, going into business. And I did get a business and economics degree, but I really, I always had a love for history and which relates to government our founding fathers, uh, the Civil War, Revolutionary War, all that type of stuff. So I was really interested in I, I, that sort of grew into an interest uh, from history into government and politics and, and the law. And that sort of led me to law school. So uh, I worked in D.C. for uh, a while in my young 20s and 30s, single days, uh, was on the Bush campaign in 2000, was at the Florida recount on the 2004 campaign, uh, worked as a Bush appointee at the Justice Department as a prosecutor and at the White House, and uh, eventually as U.S. attorney here in Arkansas, and decided to, I'd always been real involved, but I'd been involved behind the scenes, not as an elected official. And worked on Capitol Hill, forgot to mention that, worked for several years, I think three years in the House of Representatives on a committee as a young attorney. And so I finally decided in 09 to run for Congress, which I did. And uh, I won in 2010 with that big class of Republicans that took over the House from Speaker Pelosi. And uh, was <clears throat> loved my time in Congress, was on the Ways and Means Committee. Uh, was served some time on the House Judiciary Committee, Foreign Affairs, uh, Ethics Committee, and the Armed Services Committee. 
Armed Services was a great fit because I had been, have had and have been in the Army Reserve for a while. I've been in 26 years in June and uh, continu I'm continuing to serve as a colonel in the Army Reserve. I just got back from Fort Jackson a week or so ago. And uh, so I'm stationed at Fort Jackson now, was at Fort Bragg until last summer. And so my time in Congress on the Armed Services Committee was a good fit because of my military background. Uh, I was away from my young family a lot. Uh, my wife is Elizabeth, she's from Camden. We were married in 05, had our first kid in seven, and then my, boy, uh, my young boy in 2010. And so I was away from my family a lot. We decided as a family that I would leave Congress after my second term and come home, which is what I did. Uh, the Lieutenant Governor's position in my last, or right before my last year of Congress, it opened up and we, previous Lieutenant Governor resigned due to ethics issues. And so I ran, I, I threw my hat in the ring for Lieutenant Governor and it was a way for me to serve, to be at home, uh, to stay engaged as a public servant, but to be able to raise my family, my young family. And so that's what we did as a family. It worked out, was elected in 2014, was reelected uh, in 2018. And I'm in my eighth year now as, as Lieutenant uh, Governor. Uh, <clears throat> I wanna mention the military side. I've always had a special connection with veterans because of my service. I served in Iraq and was on active duty uh, from 2005 to 2006. And um, so now uh, I am in my final year as, as your Lieutenant Governor. Can you explain to our listeners who might not know just what are the duties of the Office of Lieutenant Governor? The beauty of this position is it, while it is limited in constitutionally specified duties, it is wide open in terms of what you can advocate for. And, you know, they, when you get elected to a statewide position in particular, they give you a microphone and they say, you have an opportunity to speak. You have an opportunity to go on the radio and TV and like this, social media. Look, you're interviewing me because I'm a Lieutenant Governor. You wouldn't be interviewing me if I wasn't Lieutenant Governor. And so that goes along with public office is you get to communicate. And I think it's a shame when elected officials either don't communicate much or uh, only communicate when they have to. I think it's a gift uh, and you should use it because it is, it's a tool that costs nothing and it's available to you. And if you believe in things, you need to speak on those things. If you believe in things and you don't do a lot of speaking on them, I don't think that's an admirable trait. Tells me you don't believe in them too much because if you believe in something, you wanna speak about it, you wanna advocate for it, you wanna show passion for it. And so while I don't have a lot of constitutionally specified powers, I can communicate and I do that. And I, another thing that I can do that's not specified is I can leverage relationships. You know, I, I know people from Congress, my time I served at the White House, 
in President Bush's administration, Bush the, the son. And, you know, I've served in these different capacities, and by definition, you meet people. Well, those are relationships if you maintain them, and you should leverage those for the good of the state. And I try to do that. You know, I had a meeting this morning with the British Minister of Trade, um, Penny Mordaunt. And um, so I was able to talk about friends, people that we knew in common and, and relationships that I had that might be helpful to increase trade between our state and the United Kingdom, our country and the United Kingdom. I'm a big advocate, for example, for a U.S. United Kingdom trade agreement. We have common values. We share those values. We have common history. And unlike China, who we can't trust, we share a lot of secrets with, with the UK and we trust them. They're our allies. China's not. I think we ought to prioritize our time and focus. Uh, I think it's, better, it's, it's time better spent uh, to focus on our allies and people we have things in common with. So I'm able to leverage those relationships to help pursue things like that. Um, so there's the specified power, and then there are the inherent, unspecified, implied, if you will, powers. And so being a tie-breaking vote in the state Senate, which I never had to do, presiding over the Senate, and being the governor, if the governor can't fulfill that role anymore, those are specified roles for the lieutenant governor. But the unspecified is really where you can get the most done, it seems to me, and that's communicating and leveraging relationships. I'll put a final point on it, but um, so you're elected lieutenant governor. You're, you are, it is expected that you, like a legislator, will not be full-time. That is reflected in the pay, that is reflected in the nature of the office. Now, that's not the case in every state, but that is the case here. Now, there's nothing in the law that I've found that says, you will be part-time, don't work too much. No, that's not in the law. And it's certainly not in the Constitution. It's just sort of an understanding, but it's not specified. So you can basically spend as much time as you'd like being lieutenant governor. If you want to make it full time and spend way more than the time required, you can do that. I think I've spent, I know I've spent way more than the time that is required. And a lot of people in the state house and state senate do that as well. And um, so that's totally up to the office holder. Uh, I love the job. And so I spend more time than, uh, than is necessary. Uh, in terms of what I spoke about before, the specific role or roles of the lieutenant governor as specified in the state constitution, they don't, those specific roles, be the governor, if the governor can't be the governor, that doesn't require any time because the governor is being the governor, right? So that doesn't require any time. That's more of a be ready if needed situation. But the other one is preside over the Senate. Well, the Senate's not in session. 
So in some states, being the president of the Senate means managing the affairs of the Senate and presiding in the chair during the session. That is not the case here. In Arkansas, and that goes back to some things that happened in the, uh, I think, the late 60s, where a lot of powers were sort of shifted from the lieutenant governor for partisan reasons. We don't have time to go into all that, but that happened. And so since that time, the lieutenant governor's role has been to sit in the chair because that's in the Constitution. And that can't be taken away. But the managing of the Senate that used to be done more by the lieutenant governor decades ago and is still done by lieutenant governors in other states now, that's not done in this state by the lieutenant governor. That is done by a fellow, one of the senators, one of their own, one of the Senate's own, manages the Senate business as the president pro tem. And that's currently uh, Jimmy Hickey uh, and will be Senator Bart Hester uh, in the next uh, legislative session. So uh, it is, it's different depending on the state. In a state like Texas, a state like Mississippi, lieutenant governors have a lot of responsibility uh, and are full-time beyond uh, just sitting in the chair and presiding in making rulings during a legislative session. Uh, so a lot of my time is spent on the communicating, speaking around the state, and certainly doing a lot of uh, what, what we call it in Congress, casework, which is basically people call, they say, I need help with this, and we try to never say no, right? Even if we can't help them directly, we try to connect them. And that's a philosophy here in this office. Not everybody has that philosophy. Some people say, oh, well, you need to call so-and-so. Thanks. Hang out. We don't do that. We try not to. What we try to do is to hand them off in a way, even if we're not the ones to help, we often can't help directly because we have a limited scope. We can shepherd them through the often Byzantine, complicated bureaucracy of government so that they don't get dropped by someone along the way, right? Someone may call my office and they may say, hey, can you help me get a passport? I could say, well, this is a state office. We don't do passports. Call your congressman. Thanks. But I don't do that. I know about that because I used to be in Congress. So I say, hey, I happen to know here locally, one of French Hill staff members that used to work for me or one of Bruce Westerman staff members or whatever, who's another congressman for the fourth district. And we will connect people that need help with that and shepherd them through that so that ultimately it's not about whether it's in my lane or not. It's about helping them because they don't care who helps them. They want their answer and they want their need addressed from their government. And so we sort of have a no wrong number, no wrong door policy, which says it doesn't matter if people come in the wrong office, they come in our office needing something and we're not the right place, or they call us and we're not the right place. We will help them get to the right place 
and help them. And, you know, so I know that your focus is economic development. This helps in economic development. Yeah, that actually leads to, to you were getting a perfect segue to the next question, which on is purpose, actually going to be. On yeah, purpose. You, you, on you, you wrote the script well. So what resources does Lieutenant Governor's Office offer for citizens and for community leaders? Um, and what's the best way to contact your office? Well, 682-2144, area code 501 is the main number here. Uh, you can go to our website, ltgovernor.arkansas.gov. You can certainly contact us through there. Let's say you're a company and you want to get in touch with the right person in economic development. Well, that's not going to be in my office, but I know who they are. And you're not going to get a big bureaucracy here. You know why? Because we don't have one. So when I, when I took over this office, there were this many staff positions, five. I cut it to two. We've never had more than two paid employees in this office my entire eight years, even though when I got here, we were slotted for five. So I pushed when I got here to reduce the number of slots to three. I only filled two. That's all we've ever filled. And we cut the budget over 15%. And I haven't requested additional money. Some of the insurance pension stuff goes up and down a little bit year to year. But we cut the budget significantly and froze it for eight years. So the goal was to send a signal that we're going to do more work with less people, more work with less money. That's called efficiency. And that's what we do. So. There are no economic development experts in one of the many offices of the Lieutenant Governor's office because there aren't many offices and there aren't many people. But you know what? It's attitude and culture. Everybody that works in this office has the right attitude and culture or they'll go work somewhere else. And that, that attitude is we want to help you not get you dumped off to someone else as soon as possible so we can get back to something else. That's not the attitude. So we want to help people. So if you need help with economic development, you can call my office. If you need help with DHS, you can call my office. If you need help with whatever, the banking department, you can call my office. Do you know, I'm not saying that's the quickest route, but we're going to make sure you find who you need. If you need your passport renewed, you can certainly call your congressman. That's where we're going to go anyway. But if you want me to call, if you want us to help you make that connection where it's a person you know, I can give you a name as opposed to just who can I talk to, we'll help do that. And, you know, we often get calls from people that say, well, I've called this office in government 10 times and nobody will return our call. You know what we do? We call that peop that person. And we say, hey, somebody's been calling and haven't been able to get a call back. Can you call them back? Boom, call them back. Or we will say, hey, um, this person came to our office and they can't get an answer. They can't get, they keep getting a runaround. We'll call somebody we know, like Lori McDonald, DHS is awesome. She's awesome. 
And we'll call, someone will call and I'll say DHS this, DHS that. I'll call over there and I'll say, Lori, can you look into this and get us an answer? Because people just want an answer. And she'll get us an answer. And so that's leveraging relationships that we have as an office to help people, even though we don't have authority over DHS. They work for the governor, not me. I told you how many people work for me, two, right? So this is, a, this is a way of thinking, it's a culture. It's a way of working and serving. And it's sort of a servant leadership thing because no task is too small. Because it's not small to the people calling. And it's that attitude that provides the best casework, the best um, uh, the best service for constituents. Well, sir, so finally, in your time as Lieutenant Governor, have there been any projects or programs that you have seen or organizations that you have worked with that have made you feel like they've made a real difference in communities across our state? Yeah, just about every issue that I've chosen to, to get involved with, uh, we've had progress. I've been very outspoken, as I said, on school choice. We've made great progress on that. I've testified in front of the Board of Education Authorizing Committee, uh, or the board, I think the full board as well, advocating for charter school approvals, which we have obtained. I've been a cheerleader for parents to have choice in education, whatever that choice looks like, whether it be traditional public schools, public charters, uh, private schools, whatever. We've made great progress on that. We've made great progress, uh, and there's a lot of there's a lot of credit to go around to legislators, the governor, board members, etc. Same on taxes. You know, uh, we made great progress on on taxes. I think we've made great progress in the tax debate. A few years ago, I started really leaning into my belief that we ought to eradicate, eliminate over time the income tax, and now you can't find many people on my side of the aisle who think otherwise. Uh, I think that's been a huge victory for the state. It's cultural. You've got to have your North Star. You've got to have a vision as to where you want to go, whether you can get there instantly or not. So on the tax issue, we've made great progress. Workforce training, uh, we've made great progress. Uh, I was real involved in uh, the Common Core Task Force. I was the chairman of that with the governor. We got moved from the old park exam to ACT Aspire and made some changes there that I think have been positive and at a minimum gave voice to a lot of the different opinions on testing and Common Core and what have you, because there hadn't really been a public discussion. There had been government action, but not a lot of public input for and against. And people were frustrated by their inability uh, to be heard. And we took care of that. Uh, very proud of that. Uh, did a review of DHS, made some suggestions to the governor on what we could do to help make DHS better. Some of those have been adopted. Lori McDonald's position over there as a legislative liaison. That was one of my suggestions the governor followed and, and she's done an outstanding job. Uh, it's good to have that one point person as opposed to having every legislator and every office holder calling anybody they know at DHS at any time with any question, 
And of course, that interrupts the day because they get a call from a legislator. They're going to drop everything they're doing. You need to funnel it through a legislative office. And that's what they've done. Uh, that's generally the model in a lot of states and the federal government. And it works. And we've done that. Uh, and so made a lot of other things we dealt with there. Uh, served on the uh, governor's military commission to help uh, strengthen uh, the state's position in terms of attracting veterans and, and military members uh, here to live and to make their homes here and to stay after they retire from a place like Little Rock Air Force Base. There's a lot of stuff we've accomplished uh, over the years. And, and, you know, we're not done. We've got a lot of big issues that facing the state as it relates to parole and crime and prison uh, uh, capacity. And I've been very outspoken on that as Lieutenant Governor, and I'm gonna keep speaking out on it until they kick me out of this office. Awesome, well, Lieutenant Governor, thank you for your time today. We appreciate your work in our state, I know I do, and thank you again for your time. Thank you all so much, have a good one. God bless thank you. you, sir. On upcoming episodes, the CDI podcast will feature CDI graduates and participants, community partners, and community and economic development experts from across Arkansas and the Mid-South. We hope you join us next time on the CDI podcast.